Operation Move podcast. My name is Zoe and I'm here with Kate. Hello, I'm on the road. That's why you can hear all the things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we are a podcast in transit this week and hopefully yep. it's all good mobile reception Telstra. <laughs> yeah, I'm going from Ballarat to Melbourne, so hmm, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and today we have a question from Kirsten who wants to know things I wish I'd known before running my first marathon because she is going to be running her first marathon in Melbourne which is very exciting. Oh that's super exciting how awesome is that? And Melbourne is such a great I think it's such a great course because um, it's really scenic there's a bit of up and down but it's mostly flat you know like when I say up and down I don't mean like there are actual hills but I mean it's not dead flat it's not pancake flat like the Gold Coast which can be a bit challenging and it's you know it's atmosphere is great plus I think the great thing in Melbourne particularly if you're not sure how your tummy is going to go on the day there's lots of public toilets everywhere which you know you cannot underrate in a marathon no no, that is super important. And plus, it's such a great event for Move as a community. Like, we always have lots of people there. So she's going to have a heap of people cheering her in, which is fantastic. Absolutely. It's so it's uh, always been a big Operation Move event. So I'm very excited to be going there. I haven't decided what I'm going to be doing because I'm going to change down from the, the fall. And I have sort of... I was thinking about the five, but then Carla told me the five starts at 11 o'clock, and I'm like, oh, no way. That's <laughs> no quite late. No way. I would be, even as a hardy northerner, that, that would be well warm for me. And then you've got to eat beforehand. That's, that's a lot of logistics that I've got to worry about. So I'm tossing up between the ten and the half. Yeah, well, I've heard some very awesome people are doing the ten, just I've, saying. I've, I've heard that too. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, I have to have to sort of think back now to uh, our first marathon because it's a while ago. <laughs> only for some of us, only marathon in my case, but still counts. Still counts, <laughs> and um, I think, um, and even though you know, f- for that uh, marathon, my training had gone really well. Everything had pretty much gone according to plan gone about out a bit too hard at the Gold Coast half in the lead up but you know that happens, that happens yeah. <laughs> um, and but I think what happens towards the end which I'm remembering now is I think with the first marathon at least for me the fatigue levels were so much more than the, what they were in subsequent marathons you know it was like I just felt tired all the time and I was just eating constantly like there was just I was just not getting enough fuel in to to sustain me or that's how it felt at the time and so as I got towards the end of marathon training I actually started to feel quite sluggish you know just from the from the the fatigue and the build-up which you know you're kind of doing on purpose because you're teaching yourself to run on fatigue which you're going to need in the sort of like the last 10 to 15 k's of a marathon but when it's your first one you can't imagine not feeling that fatigued no so and that yeah that weariness you can't you don't see it coming and it is such a part of that training preparing your body for it but it's such a physical weariness that's different to anything else I've ever experienced that's for sure yeah and there was really different I remember when I was uh 
training for one the following year um, and it was I didn't have that high level of fatigue because my body had just adjusted a whole lot more and um, it was it was just a lot different but with the first one I definitely had it and I think that that's what drives you to kind of like go out and try for you know 5k pbs or do these tempo type runs towards the end because it's just you feel like you put everything into it and you're just dragging yourself through quicksand and you need some kind of confirmation that it's working Mm, yeah it's so tricky one of the things I would say as well in terms of things I wish I'd known before that marathon is I wish I'd known not to read so much like you know when you're coming up and it's all you can think about you're putting so many hours into training and you're thinking about your nutrition and you just want to read everything you can get your hands on which is what I did but the problem is it can set you up with preconceived ideas and nothing it's like having kids in some ways like nothing can prepare you for the actuality on the day like I remember reading all this stuff about oh you know and you'll hit the wall at this point and so I spent you know the first 30 k's waiting for this wall waiting for it waiting for it got to 35 where's this wall like it didn't happen and I'd been so worried about it needlessly um, and it just wasn't an experience that I had in that run yeah and I think I think it's a bit like, you know, how you're not supposed to Google things while pregnant about your pregnancy. <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with this. Yep. <laughs> it's the same. You know, you can definitely psych yourself out, and I've certainly done that. I think that because the marathon's a bit of an unknown and there's this unknown sort of 12 case at the end, and you also don't really know because it is an unknown, you have no real idea of how to pace yourself. And so um, you were probably looking up about the wall, I was looking up about pacing, and I just exhausted myself <laughs> with research. And you can't know until the day, and yeah, in, in some ways, ignorance is is bliss because people will say it's really going to hurt or you know you're going to hit an absolute wall of fatigue at that point and the fact is if you're well fueled which I think uh, that was one of my better fueling runs um, there was no wall like I had that spot that I always have in the middle like it's dead in the middle of my run where I kind of like coming up to halfway and just beyond halfway where I'm like oh my god there's still so so far to go and where it was I would consider myself having a hard patch in between probably about 18 and 24 kilometers which is really really standard for me on those sorts of runs and but once I got past that and we got to 30 kilometres, I felt fine and I was basically fine to run the rest of the yeah. way. And, we and you know, I didn't, I don't think that we really slowed down that much. Whereas I've had other runs which have gone a lot different to that where I have really slowed towards the end because I haven't had enough fuel. And that's the other thing is if you do hit the wall, it's not something that you can't get through. Like you can still you know, you might not end up finishing with the time that you necessarily had planned for, but the wall isn't, is, all it is, is, a, you know, a high level of fatigue because your muscles have not, you know, been getting enough carbohydrates, basically, and so 
you're you know you're probably putting in a high level of effort and you're running really really slowly and so then you just develop a plan for it you know like I hit a bit of a wall at I think at Southwest Rocks and I'm just right I'm going to walk for about 30 seconds and then I'm going to run for the rest of the kilometer and then I'm going to walk and by breaking it up like that just got through that level of fatigue and you know sometimes there might be more walking than that and that's cool um but it's not something that you can't just keep going through you're just going through it at a slower pace than what you might have planned for I think it's important to be realistic obviously I mean you're not going to turn up on the day having your longest run being a 15k but yeah not to freak yourself out too much as well like trust in your training plan trust in what you've done so far and what your body can do because so many of the hurdles on the day will be mental and it's that mental strength because training builds that mental strength as much as the physical you know longer and it's harder and yeah it might hurt a bit more but it's one day of your life and you're going to get through it the same as every other day of your life so just you know keep your eye on the prize yeah i mean i think that the so much of the time like when you have are doing hard intervals or whatever it is with marathon training it has nothing to do with with speed and everything to do with developing mental toughness and the ability to push through when you don't think that you've got anything left in the tank because there's always another gear you know if you keep going eventually it'll happen (laughs) and um, I think that probably things I wish I'd known is that it's not as hard as you think it is you know I mean it is just one foot in front of the other you just keep going and eventually finish (laughs) and yeah it's in a lot of ways it is a lot easier than your training runs because you're rested you're recovered you've got a great atmosphere you've got plenty of adrenaline you've got volunteers with water stations you know the whole way through if you're used to running like I was somewhere without water I'm used to running around with a one to two kilo pack on my back so not having that makes a huge difference on on the actual day and I think that probably the other thing that I wish I'd known about it was that everyone walks (laughs) so you don't have to worry about I mean obviously some people have a strategy like they kind of feel like if they start walking they're not going to start running again so usually I incorporate walks as part of like I have a plan for it and everything like that but you know walking through all of the water stations worked really well for us as well as walking up some of the hills because there's no point in just like exhausting yourself running uphill when chances are you could probably walk up that hill at a similar pace and be better recovered when you get to the top. No, and if you've pre-planned to do that, like if as part of your training you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to walk the water stations, I'm going to walk the hill, then when you get there you're not having a psychological battle of, oh, no, I'm walking because this is what you were going to do. This is part of the plan and it's what's going to get you across the line. Yeah, and I think also you can really underestimate in, in training the importance of fueling and you'll really notice it on on the day you know it's it's easy like I could do and have done you know a really long training run 
with just water and I've been fine but that's because I'm running at a really low intensity as mm. soon as you add a, you know until it, as soon as you go to more of a steady state it's much more imperative that you have fueling and I remember um, I think even in the year before in the in the half like having a gel just before we were about to go up one of the hills and it sure made a hell of a difference <laughs> mm. Yeah, that little burst of energy can make a massive difference just when you need it. Yeah, so I think that I think that it's good to know if you can when your weak points are likely to be so you're aware of that. So I usually know. And you can tell it doesn't matter that you haven't done the distance before. If you're doing a long run, where you can know where the bits are that are hard and for me it's that bit bam smack in the middle that I struggle with and I always do and it's always the same on any of the marathons that I run I always mentally struggle in in that bit and so I know that going in and I'm ready for it and I'm gonna and can say to myself okay this is gonna suck for about eight k's and then I'm gonna be fine yeah the best things you can do for yourself prior to the marathon which has nothing to do with your legs is to understand um, what your psychological drivers are. And again, you'll know this from your long runs. Like you might be a person who responds to a pretty harsh voice in your head urging you onwards, or you might be a person who needs a gentle voice in your head. And if you're a person who needs a gentle voice, then getting to 30Ks and saying to yourself, geez, you are doing the terrible job, pick up your legs, is not going to actually help you. And similarly, if you're a person who responds to a bit of tough love, like saying, oh, you're doing a great job, just keep going in your own mind, again, it's not going to be what drives you on. So understand what voice it is that pushes you and practice using that in your training runs as well. Yeah, and I mean, I think that there's also, if you just go into it, accepting that there is this unknown factor and that you can, it's not necessary. It's not necessarily going to be a, a, a run or a race that 100% reflects your ability because there are so many variable, variables on the day. Mm. All you can do is run on that day and run the best you can on that day and then see where that ends up. And so in the second marathon where I was aiming to go under four hours and I didn't, that there was no point during that run where I felt disappointed by that or after because I knew that on the day that was everything and probably that under four hours goal had pushed me probably further than I would have gone otherwise but there was no disappointment in that because I knew that there was no possible way for that day to have gone any differently than it did. Yeah we are as always our own harshest critics I think and it's, it's a time when it does not pay to be your own harshest critic because no one can tell you what it's going to be like on the day and no one can know. Like you might do be doing your marathon on a day where you can't leave everything out on the course because you've got, you know, something that's happened in your family life or emotionally in the days before that is going to impact that ability. None of this stuff is predictable. All we can do is the best we can at the time we have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that particularly with a first marathon, you want to really take take that pressure off and you know really I think you know sometimes a, a time goal can sort of like keep you motivated in some tough parts but you want to be pretty flexible on that because you just don't know uh, what's going to happen on on the day and um, 
I think that if you know uh, your family is going to be at certain points, that can you know definitely give you a boost if you're doing um, a run that's local to you. So you can you know they might like want to hang out at um, what might be a typically hard spot for you, like a, around 32 kilometres, for example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's another thing that you know people do or I know like when I was doing Gold Coast I knew that um, Nikki was going to be 5k's from the end I was like focused on that for about 20k's before that I was like it's going to keep going until I get to Nikki and then it's only 5k's well I think do you know I read this thing not long before we did our first marathon actually and it had two really good tips in it one of them was um, if you find yourself in a patch where you're really feeling sluggish and struggling force yourself to smile and it's the same as if you see a photographer. Force yourself to smile because, firstly, you'll look at the photos and think you had a much better run than maybe you did. <laughs> um, secondly, though, enforcing yourself, it switches out the neurological signal in your brain and it can actually make everything feel a lot easier, even though you're faking it. Your brain doesn't always know that you're faking it. That's so, so that was a good one. Yeah. And the other one was that if you have um, access to, say, Powerade or Gatorade, and you don't want to drink it because that's not something you've planned for, you can actually swish it around in your mouth and spit it out, and it tricks your brain into anticipating the calories from it just by that action in your mouth. And even though it won't hit your guts and maybe upset your belly, your brain doesn't know that, and it gives you the boost of energy anyway. Wow. That is yeah. so fancy. That's amazing, isn't it? Brains are clever things. <laughs> they are, yeah. So I think that... It can also, there's, you know, such a big build-up with it and you do want to enjoy it as much as possible and not be so sort of focused on getting to the end that you don't actually enjoy the experience, you know, and don't be so focused on the time that you don't have um, time to, you know, high-five some kids or say thank you to volunteers Mm. or, you know, possibly have a chat with someone else on the course or, you know, whatever it is, um, don't, you know, don't let that kind of, that time pressure get to you where you take away from the experience. Yeah, unless you're an elite runner, which I suspect most of our listeners are not, I suspect probably many of them are like us and doing it for the love of it. Um, unless you're an elite, you have the time and the ability to do all that stuff. And there's so much to enjoy in a marathon because it is an extended amount of time. You will come across heaps of different volunteers. You'll have, you know, hopefully some amazing scenery out on the course. You'll be running with such a wide variety of people. Like, try and soak that up as much as you can. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, with, uh, you know, with lots of events, it's just there is just such great... Um, great atmosphere and you will get encouragement from a lot of people on the course and you'll give encouragement to a lot of other people on the course and um and you know there's there's a lot of fun to be had in 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 the marathon and it's not just about finishing I mean in in some ways you know going in like once you've done the training that barring some really unfortunate set of circumstances you are going to finish because and I think that you can look at that and say you know if your your longest run was you know however you know if you can run for three and a half hours you can run for five (laughs) however long Mm -hmm. it's going to take you to um to finish or you know it might be might be shorter if you're a bit a bit faster but you know I think that 
the all of that is pretty much a given that if you've done the training you are going to be able to finish so you can just focus your intention on soaking everything up one of the best things I did with our marathon is, and I did it unintentionally, I did it out of necessity at the time, was I, because it was interstate for me, I booked my flight home for that night rather than the next day. And I didn't know if that was going to be a good idea or not at the time, but as it turned out, it was great because I, I flew back um, with Virgin and I booked a seat with extra leg room, which was very thinky of me. <laughs> and it meant that, you know, like I was really sore after that, but the flight home was not unbearable. And the next day when I was really feeling it, I was back home and I could couch and put on my compression tights and not be dealing with travel that day. So I think if you are traveling interstate, think about when and where you're doing those flights, if that's something you need to do and how that's going to, or just how you're going to feel. I mean, you can do it, but there are ways to do it more comfortably. Yeah, like I think that I uh, ended up, Ordinarily, depending on the cost, I'll either fly out of Ballina or Coolangatta. Mm-hmm. But um, with that one, I actually got a good deal on a flight out of Lismore, which is just, you know, five minutes down the road from my house. And that was such a smart idea because I was getting home late-ish at night and if I, you know, fly into the Gold Coast, that's a two-hour drive home. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, so, that's not what you want to be doing. <laughs> so as I was, you know... As I was uh, picking up the car at Lismore and all I had to do was drive five minutes up the road, I'm like, oh, this is such a good idea. This is so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember getting off the plane because we flew back that, you know, late that afternoon and I got off the plane in Melbourne at, oh, I can't remember, like, say, 8 o'clock at night and I still had an hour and a bit drive back to Ballarat, which I was cursing, but it wasn't too bad because my muscles were still relatively warm. Like, I hadn't hit, um, you know, shutdown stage yet, so... <laughs> It was not too bad. And when that did hit, I was home again. So that was okay. My other tip is don't have a pedicure. <laughs> yeah, no point. <laughs> well, not only no point, but you know how they remove a lot of the, the dead skin mm. and stuff when you do that. So when I was running Sydney, like I hadn't thought about it. I thought, oh, I'd be nice, you know, to treat my feet after all that training. I didn't really think it through that much. I was just getting nails done. I thought, you know, I might as well get that done as well. And... um but because essentially they'd removed a lot of like the sort of like harder skin calluses, that kind of stuff, mm. my feet hurt <laughs> for the majority of that run because I because I had yeah. you know sort of I didn't have any of the toughness in my feet, so I've never done that <laughs> since. So yeah. don't do, do that. Know, yeah, I remember during that run feeling a blister start coming up at around eighteen k's feeling it pop around 26 and then feeling it start coming up again <laughs> and it was just it was a weird sensation and it was kind of like it was obviously painful but it was kind of a nice distraction too thinking about it. but I was um I don't think I got a pedicure because I was down two toenails by the time we got to that race yes I have not actually ever lost a toenail in all of my marathons which is you know it seems seems out of the ordinary <laughs> Yeah, I think a lot of it is to do with shoes, and I made some not good shoe choices over and over and over again, um, out of vanity instead of sensibility more than anything else. I think now, but maybe some people are just more prone to it too. Perhaps like I didn't think I would be, but then they just started dropping off. So <laughs> apparently, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably I do have like one toe is prone to going black like after a run so it's black at the moment it's very Mm. attractive um 
but yeah I haven't um, actually gotten to, but it's also probably because I have uh, quite a wide forefoot so I have to get super big shoes so mm. I'm unlikely to get that sort of stuff yeah. happening I mean probably the other thing is I would say when you do finish the sooner you can I know the last thing you feel like doing is eating afterwards mm. like it, I really struggle with it but as soon as you can get something into you the better your recovery is going to be even if you just start off with um just having a soft drink or something to just get some sugar in as soon as as possible um that's going to be a a very good thing I mean the the difference in my recovery when between you know times when I've managed to eat after as opposed to not eating anything it's definitely very noticeable Mm. I remember having a kebab after that one <laughs> and at the airport and the next day or the day after when I went and saw my trainer and he said, you know, how it was and I was telling him about it and he said, and what did you eat after the set of kebab? And he said, were you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, just about actually at that stage, delirious possibly. My uh, friend bought me this um, this thing of fancy chocolate after the after the that first marathon which you know ordinarily I would you know sort of like I would you know enjoy it and you know all that but I just inhaled it <laughs> literally like we're sitting standing there talking and I basically just ate the whole bag there and then so yeah. there but there are better recovery foods than chocolate but still it was pretty good or kebabs <laughs> or kebabs yeah I um yeah and for the days afterwards be prepared to be hungry be prepared have good food in the house yeah I think that you know just continually continuous small meals are Mm. going to be a good thing because you're going to have a lot of um it's you know you're going to have a lot of muscles to repair it's not just about replacing energy expenditure it's you know there's a lot of repairing that your body is doing and it's and there's a lot of um there's a lot of emotional build-up to it as well and I think that you can also be prepared for it to be emotional like I have never really I'm not you know that much I mean I am an emotional person but not like about running like I don't usually I don't usually get to the end of something and tear up like it's just I, I always feel happy I feel proud but I don't really feel emotional about it but the two times that I have was in the first marathon and then in the 50 that I did both times like right at the end when I realized I was actually going to do it I actually (laughs) got so so Mm. choked up that I nearly winded myself (laughs) so glamorous and and it really took me by surprise because it's not something that normally happens to me with with running at all and it was like quite a shock that it was happening and it was so much of a shock I was almost disconnected from it like it's almost like I could see myself going wow that's really interesting I know exactly what you mean in those last three or four k's of Sydney when we ran it together I remember feeling like I was watching my I was I could feel the pain in my legs but I felt like I was watching someone else do it and I was I had was on was hyperventilating so I was trying so hard not to cry like I just thought I've just got to get through this last little bit and then I remember when we crossed the finish line we both just started bawling and people around us are going well done and we're like yes yeah and I mean 
when we were doing that, like there's this last water station, which is about, I don't know, like maybe a kilometre from mm. the end and people are stopping. And I'm like, you're mad. Yes. We're just got to get to the was, end. And do you remember there was that guy who was on the ground covered in a, one of those silver blankets? And I remember just thinking, oh, you poor bugger, like 41 Ks and that's where you collapse. That is heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, that made me so sad. <laughs> it was interesting. I think that I read... Um, a statistic on finishing and apparently you know like across you know a lot of different races about um, something like 99% of people who start a marathon finish it yeah so it doesn't surprise me because there's so much work to get there like I don't think you've hit that starting line unless you are fairly confident that your training is going to get you over the other end yeah so you really don't need to worry about the the training aspect of it you know because most people with a a decent amount of training you put them that in that environment and they will um will finish i think that the more important thing with the with the first one is you never want to run a marathon and be disappointed with the result no you know because it is such a huge um such a huge achievement it's a huge time investment you know in your training it's a huge uh sort of mental thing the whole training as well because you're thinking about it so much and it sort of seeps into every aspect of your life with what you're eating and everything that you're doing and all of all of that kind of stuff and so I think that you you want to make sure that you mentally prepare yourself for you know whatever the result is going to be because it's really easy as runners to kind of get locked into some kind of arbitrary time that doesn't really mean anything Mm. you know it's it's just it's not you know people have a thing often about you know like I want it to be under you know they want it to be under four and a half hours or under five hours but then if you talk to them afterwards and maybe they ended up slightly over that would they trade that for you know that conversation that they had with their um, their partner or a family member at the 30k mark, or that kid they talked to, or whatever? And the answer is no. So just focus on the experience, I think. And the other thing I would say is, whilst obviously it's really important to think about your nutrition in the time leading up to the marathon, if that doesn't pan out the way you had hoped for whatever reason don't stress about it like so many people get really panicky about i haven't had enough this food i haven't had the right carbs i haven't had dad this haven't done that it's important but it's not imperative if it doesn't work out like that you're still going to be okay yeah i mean i think that i have a tendency like josh always says to me like me before a not so much a marathon that I'm running but a marathon where I'm sort of like aiming to push the pace a bit it's like me cramming for a test (laughs) you know like in the last week with what I'm eating um and I think that there's you know a lot you can (laughs) a lot you can do you're going to get a lot more by um, looking after your nutrition during your training <laughs> than jamming it all in the last week. The main thing yeah. that the main thing that I sort of focus on is I sort of in the like probably in the week before I kind of like up until probably about three days before I 
aim for as much fruit and vegetable as possible, lots of high fiber, and then three days before I switch it to high carbs but low fiber, and that's what works for me. But you know, plenty of people run uh, marathons and lots of other races on just what they would normally eat. You know, like you don't need to overthink it hugely. You know, as long as you're, uh, you know, you're, and there's also two two schools of thought on on whether carb loading is a thing. I maintain that it is because I like carb loading, <laughs> but you know, um, I think that a lot of what you can tend to want to do is you think, oh, I've got to eat all of this pasta, or in my case, all of this gnocchi. Um, but what you're probably better off doing so that you don't end up feeling kind of bloated and weighed down is having, um, you know, probably like little meals. So you're never getting to the point of feeling overfull, but you are topping yourself up with plenty of carbohydrates. Yeah, and like you were talking about cramming in the week before, which I totally understand Yeah, because it's um, totally but, normal. <laughs> yeah, of course. But I think one of the big things to bear in mind too is if you eat a particular way in your everyday life if you then a month out go I am going to radically shift I'm going to go from being someone who eats this way I'm going to go paleo that's going to have an impact like you want to try and stick relatively close to the way you've eaten through your training because that's what your body is used to fueling on yeah exactly I mean like even at the moment having made the switch where essentially I'm like vegan paleo at this point um I feel like I don't even know you anymore. I know. <laughs> but at least I'm back on to the coffee with Bulletproof. So, you know, you, I've got yeah. that going for me. I was very excited to see that. <laughs> um, but I can tell that even though, you know, I'm a few weeks in and I don't have the initial fatigue of the, the detox happening, I can tell that I am a little bit slower on, you know, like in in my running at the moment and I think it's just going to take a while for my body to adjust so I would definitely not be making any radical (laughs) changes before something like that because you know going from essentially you know like a a fast carb situation to a low to a slow carb situation it is a big adjustment for your body to make and if it's used to being able to draw from certain things and you're not um you're not doing that anymore I mean a lot of times when people I'm not doing low carb because I'm like I'm all about the carbs but you know for endurance athletes who um who switch from you know a a sort of a standard diet to like a low carb high fat that transition can take them a year or more and you know and even on another podcast I was Mm. I was listening to they were talking about how which isn't really to do with uh you know marathon diets but it is to do with the radical impact of diets that people who do like a five to eight week uh cut where they have this this period where they're quite restrictive and aim to lose a fair amount of uh body fat in a relatively short period of time that cut can affect their metabolism and their body negatively obviously for the next 12 months 
Yeah, it's pretty serious stuff. And in, in terms of, you know, cha- making those changes just prior to running a really long endurance event, it's kind of akin to going shopping the day before and buying a whole new outfit and new shoes. You're going into it completely unknown and you're running risks that are just not necessary. Do it the week after. Yeah, and I mean, if it isn't broke, don't yeah, fix it. don't fix it. Yes. <laughs> you know, so for, you know, whatever works for you, just stick with that really don't change anything you know I've certainly done races where I've said well I normally have this for dinner the night before but it's not going to make that much difference if I have this and yes it does make that much difference (laughs) so don't do it and um you know so for me I tend to like I do really well uh, staying well away like having a pretty high carb low fat diet going into a run so I would tend to avoid uh, you know dairy and stuff like that going in because I just find uh, I tend to particularly if if there's any chance of me not being a hundred percent or if I'm getting over a cold I just it just makes me more mucusy yeah and so a lot of this stuff is just not even going to be an issue though i mean if you've done your training you're looking after yourself reasonably well all the time you've figured out what shoes suit your feet and you've been training in them but not you know so much that they've started to wear down you've got your outfit sorted out you know where your chafe points are so you can body glide all of this stuff you've already done the work the, the marathon that's your victory lap that's your day to celebrate yeah and you know you can have you can wake up on on that day and you can feel like you're not feeling that great you know you didn't get much sleep you haven't sort of maybe eaten the way you would have liked to have eaten and you can still have a really great run which is what happened to me this year on the Gold Coast like I felt I woke up and I felt awful like I had razor blade sore throat the whole night before I managed to sleep like one or two hours and because of the lack of sleep I felt actually quite woozy when I got up and I thought oh well you know like what's the worst thing that can happen I run for a bit and if I decide that I'm just not well enough then I can just you know walk back you know no it's not a big deal and I actually ended up having a really great run while I was out there and I kind of like I had way more coffee than I would normally have before before a run and you know I just I really enjoyed it I had no issues with like my tummy was really settled for the for the whole way you know I had a decent amount of even though I was eating a decent amount to sort of top everything up along the way so even if you do happen to wake up and not feel a hundred percent it really does not have any bearing on what kind of run you're going to have now for me the very short answer to what should i do for my first marathon is presume nothing and feel confident (laughs) there you go that's the answer yeah and and stay away from like as much as like obviously we have the community group which we love and you know like people get lots of support in there and ask questions in there but sometimes there are specific uh like i remember i was in a, uh, I think it was for Melbourne, I think I was in the Melbourne Marathon group, which is a great bunch of people and it is, a, you know, it's a great Facebook group, but it totally psyched me out because every time somebody would post something, I'm like, I'm not doing that and then I would like panic about what I wasn't doing and then I'd have to sort of like 
talk myself down and I'm going, no, everyone's different. <laughs> Everyone has different <laughs> training. And I, and me saying that I was on taper for um, Melbourne, I think, six to seven weeks out totally freaked some other people out in that group too. Like it went both ways. They're like, it's, you know, it's such a long taper. How are you possibly going to do it? And I just was going off my experience from Sydney where I really felt that I was still fatigued with a three-week taper. So I had extended the taper and that is what worked better for me. But for some people that it would be too long of a taper and it's really easy to get sucked in to this person is doing this so then this is something that I should be doing why aren't I doing this and you know like why has my coach got me doing something different to what everyone else is doing and you can really go down the rabbit hole <laughs> with a whole manner of just things. hang out with us you'll be right <laughs> so a little bit of tunnel vision <laughs> doesn't go astray and step away from the google yes have lessons I need to learn desperately. <laughs> I'm the worst with Dr. Google. Injuries, I used to do it all the time and now I do it all the time with pregnancy and gosh, it's not always a great invention, is it? <laughs> no, no. I mean, I think that there's a, a lot to be said for, you know, sometimes, you know, yes, you might not have all of the knowledge about a particular thing, but then you have on your side you don't have all of those doubts which is what happens when you have a bit too much too much information and you're not aware that something's impossible so you just go off and do it and you don't really think about it too much so yeah I think being strategic with your online time (laughs) is a is a very good very good idea and be selfish the in the you know in the week leading up to and the night before the the marathon there have been times when I've wanted to meet up with people and they wanted to go to you know a a restaurant and I just knew that wasn't going to be right for me in terms of my marathon prep and so I've gone somewhere else and done something else and you just and it's not so much like what I eat is going to have a huge impact but mentally I'm going to feel more confident sticking to my routine rather than kind of like changing something the the night before. And it's okay to say, actually, I'm running a marathon, so I need to prioritise what I need to do in terms of what I'm eating, when I'm going to bed, when I'm going to get up, and don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Good plans, good plans. I'm nearly home. Can you believe it? No. <laughs> Yeah, I truly am. I've gone all the way from the edge of Ballarat to the outskirts of Western Melbourne. <laughs> that was a very entertaining drive. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, definitely entertain you on a regular basis. So thank you for your question. If anyone else has any other questions, they can either contact us through the website or uh, pop into the community group and we're happy to go on all kinds of tangents about any question that you might have um we have learn to run starts in a couple of weeks and you can get 10 percent off with the code podcast and if you are in the market for some fab running tights you can go to runfastergear.com.au and use the code opmove which has to be in capital letters for it to work and uh, (laughs) yeah and you get uh 10 percent off 
Mm. Oh, and do you know what we never say because we are terrible podcasters and we should be saying every week, please go to iTunes and rate and review because that's a really lovely thing to do for us. Oh, yes, do that. That's yeah, a good We idea. never say it. Let's no, start saying that. <laughs> we should start saying that for sure. We should, yeah. <laughs> so, if we were good podcasters, we would do that. We definitely would. <laughs> definitely. So, so I'll talk to you next week and I probably won't be in the car. <laughs> yes. Radical. I mean, we should... Also, we're not that far away from uh, school holidays, so things are about to get very interesting in podcast land. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. (laughs) So, yes, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.